Hello and welcome to Prescribing Change, a podcast from the General Medical Council. We've just published a UK-wide review of medical students and doctors' well-being. This was independently co-chaired by Professor Michael West and Dame Denise Coyer. We asked Michael and Denise to identify factors that impact doctors' well-being so that we can work with organisations across the UK to help tackle the causes. In this series, we talked to three of our clinical fellows about the findings and recommendations of the review. We also hear about their own experiences and stories about managing well-being on the front line. Visit our website to read the full report, and if you want to share your story or give us feedback on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Tweet us at GMC UK. I'm Sunita Cross and I'm the GMC's Digital Content Officer. I'm also the producer of this podcast and I'll be conducting the interviews throughout the series. So today I'm talking to three of our new clinical fellows who are joining us from different parts of the UK and different medical specialties. Thanks all for coming along today. Would you please start by introducing yourself? Hi, so my name's Catherine. I'm a psychiatry trainee from South Wales. Hi, I'm Alice. I'm an anaesthetics trainee based in Edinburgh. And I'm Adam. I'm a GP trainee uh, based here in Manchester. Today I'm here talking to our three clinical fellows about the second core need that Michael West identified in his wellbeing report, and that was belonging. Obviously belonging has kind of a standard dictionary definition that most people would recognise. But what I'd like to start off with is, what does belonging mean to you in, in the context of your clinical practice? To me, um, belonging is about somewhere that you feel safe and comfortable to be yourself, um, where you feel valued, but also where you develop those human connections with other people around you. And I think a part of that is with work colleagues and people that you're coming to work with every day. But for me, a big part of that is with patients and developing those human connections and relationships with our patients as well. Yeah, I agree. I think when it comes to working in secondary care, it is sometimes a bit more easy to identify the team that you're meant to feel that you belong to. Speaking from a primary care point of view, I think it is making sure that, or feeling that you are still part of the team despite largely working quite alone, but it's not whereas it sometimes seems that it's not easy to be part of a team if you're working alone with patients, you must identify ways that you are feeling part of a team by being able to talk to other people and feel valued, as you said, Alice. When I was thinking about this um, question, I was, I thought some of the things I wrote down were things like supported, being nurtured, being cared for, caring for others, and I'm a less than full-time trainee. And I think one of the things that has been really important to me through my my work has been the fact that I have been valued as a member of a team and valuing everybody within that team for everything that they bring, whether that be a different background, whether that be being less than full time, whether that be a primary medical qualification from elsewhere in the world, whatever it might be that might be different, it's valuing diversity within the team and drawing upon everyone's experiences for the best of everybody. I think that's so important because you're less than full time because you're a mum and you've got kids at home. Um, but we have such a diverse workforce and it's so important that when people come to be cared for they see themselves reflected in the people looking after them Um, so you know the UK is such a diverse country and if you just see one type of person looking after you then I think that can be quite isolating and for me it's so important that the medical workforce reflects the people it's actually caring for. One of the aspects that Michael drew out in his report around this issue 
is that if a team isn't working well and it doesn't have clear objectives and it doesn't meet regularly to re review performance, that can be really detrimental to mental health of, of you and your colleagues, but also to the quality of care, patient satisfaction rates, the rates of errors, and um, in an acute setting, quite shockingly, higher levels of patient mortality. So I wondered what you made of those findings and if you'd ever experienced the good or the bad um, of those sorts of themes in practice. When it comes to being um, a GP in, in primary care, you are often, you are a lone worker. You, you sit in a room and you can do it day upon day and patients come to see you and obviously you have conversations with patients and the main point of you being there is to be able to, uh, to talk to patients and be able to treat them and, and, and deliver care. But if you're getting into your car at the end of the day having not spoken to anyone else, that can be a real burden to take away with you. Um, I've seen it work well, and I've seen it work really badly. I've seen um, practices that, get, that, that build in time in the day that the whole team gets together, whether it's for a couple of minutes or for a slightly longer, and just, just have a chat. It doesn't have to be about work, it can just be about life in general. And you just feel then that you've actually seen someone else who you're not there to be their doctor. You're there as a coworker, as a colleague, and as Alice said, when you do enter these places of work, there, there has to be a feeling of belonging to a team and you have to be able to get to know the people that you're working with because you are relying on, you're relying on the nurses you work with, you're relying on the pharmacists you work with, you're relying on all of the different healthcare professionals that you work with in a multidisciplinary team environment, which most healthcare settings are. But if you're not making the time to get to know these people and feeling that you belong to a community with them, then you very much feel alone and you don't get much time to be able to see where you fit in that team. I think I pick up on that and something I said earlier about um, health professionals working in silos, it just, it just doesn't work like that now. I think coming from a specialty where we work a lot in the community um, in psychiatry, we work within multidisciplinary teams all the time. I think the teams that work well are the ones that share values, that go over those values and talk them through on a regular basis. Whether that be through a weekly team meeting, whether that be through a more formal once monthly kind of aims and objectives setting meeting, however it might be done, um, formally or informally, there's a sense of shared values, there's a sense of belonging to that team and an identity within that team. The team itself has to be able to be flexible, there has to be flexibility within its structure to incorporate new members to the team, to value those new members and the ideas that they may bring and the experiences that they may have. I think that's something that as people that rotate on a regular basis through specialties and through teams that's something that doctors and medical students as well have, have to be able to experience and to be able to be included in teams on a regular basis. From my point of view, I come from quite an acute specialty. I'm in anaesthetics, so things are slightly more hospital-based. And you guys know this, I've been doing my adult life support recertification last week, and I think that brought home to me a certain type of team, a team that has to function very well in a very ultra-acute setting, and the outcome is very much based on how well you can function together. And what that really brought home to me was how many great teams I've been a part of and how I know that Michael's view of what a team is is very much a fixed firm that meets regularly, that um, looks at their objectives and comes back to review them on a regular basis. And I, I don't think I've worked in a team like that, but I have worked in a team where 
everybody knows what their role is everybody's checking that everybody else is doing what they're supposed to be doing that they're okay with doing it and that it's happening as it's supposed to and well and then i think what's coming in now that i really like is this idea of debrief and making sure at the end of a, a complex and stressful situation that everybody's okay that everybody understands what's happened that everybody knows um, what's what's gone on and what could have been done differently but also what's happened really well and I think that can only be a positive thing for people's well-being and if we could take that kind of approach of a well-functioning team that looks at objectives what everybody knows what their role is and at the end of the day or at the end of the week you say this is what we could have done better this is what we've done well we could definitely gain from that community of shared learning isn't it and it's important that that when people do build in time for debrief that it's not just seen as something that you should go through the motions of it people need to wake up really to the value of properly debriefing, of, of having that conversation and actually identifying that there were things that, that could have been done better, but there were things that were done really well. Because what can really affect well-being is when, you've, when you constantly feel that it is your shortcomings or your, or your fail, or perceived failings that, that are the things that are constantly being identified. But I think people need to actually take the time to, to identify the positives, the good things that people are doing, the, the contributions that are valuable that people are making to a team. Because then you, you, you leave that shift or you leave the day feeling that you have done good, but also in a better place to look at how you can improve. That's a really good point and I want to follow on from that and ask you about what effect being a doctor in today's health services have on you. And what I'm thinking about there is we know, not only as the GMC but also as users of, the, of our health services, that the vast majority of doctors work to the best of their ability. And you know, we talked about rotor gaps in the last episode and the fact that where there are gaps, the doctors who are in are trying their very best to uh, still deliver the same level of care. But the problem that arises that we hear about is that sometimes how hard doctors work can be, de can be detrimental to their own well-being. So yeah, I just wanted to hear from you, you know, how that makes you feel as, as a doctor today. The first thing I would say is really proud. I think I'm really proud to be a doctor in the health service and it's something I've worked a long time for and it's something that I love doing and I see the meaning of and I see the impact of what I do and the the change and impact that I can have on people's lives and that's really meaningful to me and that is very much at the core of why I get out of bed in the morning but the flip side of that is that I know that my drive to help people and that urge I have to do something meaningful and to help people is probably having a negative impact on me as well because I know that I'm going beyond my hours I know that I'm going above and beyond I know that I've missed breaks to be able to deliver good care because that's what I'm there for and so for me a lot of questions that I've had on reading this review have been you know am I prioritizing my own well-being and is the extent to which I love being a doctor and I'm proud to be a doctor having a negative impact on my well-being and is I think that's something that's been ingrained because I see everybody doing it it's just such a normal thing it's such a part normal of part of your day that's exactly it. it is the culture and it's the culture I've been in since graduating and I don't know anything else the idea of culture and people working longer hours than potentially their rota to do so um, and the fact that that has become more acceptable within our lives is, is one that can lead in extreme to mental health problems within many doctors. And I think the difficulty in what research has shown is that doctors 
are particularly poor at picking up on their own mental health problems and their, and understanding when they are struggling with with life in general um, and that doctors in themselves also don't want to admit to having a mental health problem that in itself is a difficult one because then health seeking behaviors are also reduced within the medical fraternity i think that that is important to note because there has to be a change in the way that doctors think about their well-being, think about mental health problems, think about fatigue and burnout. We need to look to identify what those indicators are and start to be able to signpost people better towards getting support when they need it most. I totally agree with what you're saying, Alice. It's an extremely privileged position to be in. It is a, it is a massive privilege to be able to go into work every day. And you are, you're making it, it, it may sound, it can sound cheesy, but you're making a difference to people's lives. That's why we're there, that's what we're doing every day but I think you are going to be making you're going to be doing a lot more harm to a patient if you don't identify when you are close to burnout when you are close to not being able to perform your job safely because you therefore then won't be there to care for the patient so while it is a privilege that is not enough to keep you healthy in your in yourself you've got to be you've got to have insight and we've got to encourage our colleagues to have insight that yes, we are there to do a job, we're there to do a, a difficult job, but a very rewarding job. But we can only be there to do that job if we are fit and healthy physically and mentally ourselves. And I think what's really important about that to me is it's not the responsibility of the individual alone. Like, yes, you should have insight. Yes, you should prioritize your own health and you know stop and think, you know, am I okay? Mm. But we need to work within cultures that support us in our drive to help people and in our drive to improve people's lives. So having a culture that supports you, having leadership that talks to you, um, having compassion at work and just speaking to people around you and checking that people are okay would in some places be a change. And in this report, there's a lot of discussion of compassionate cultures and in changing cultures would be places where people can go and help people and feel like they're doing that important work but in a way that doesn't have that negative impact on them and I think that is something that would be great um, to see going into the future. The key about compassion cultures and about working towards a culture whereby people feel safe within their, within their workplace and I think what the report is trying to point out is that by fostering this in, this almost attitudinal shift within medicine potentially we are going to improve patient care overall doctors who are burnt out or doctors that are you know on the brink of burnout or heavily stressed are not going to deliver good care they're not performing to you the best of their ability you physically can't yeah. um when you are at the end of your tether the last thing you can do is then give more of yourself to somebody else mm. but you also can't be made to feel bad that you've got to that point there it's a it's a term that's used a lot beyond um, healthcare recently, you know, it is okay not to be okay, and it is okay to realise when you're not performing to the best of your ability. But what's really important is that we as a medical profession don't perpetuate the idea that it is a failing or a weakness on your part that you're unable to carry on delivering your job to the best of your ability. And that's where I think that brings it all back really nicely to belonging and the fact that if you don't feel like you belong in your team, in your place of work, and you haven't got to know the people that you work with, who are you going to go to if and when you do feel like something's not going quite right? And also the other way around, you know, if you work in a team where you've got a sense of belonging, you've got a team identity, you know, the chances are if something is going wrong, someone is going to notice and hopefully come and 
ask you about it and hope you, help you tackle it before it becomes a huge issue. Um, I think on that note, we will wrap up with today's episode. Thank you again for sharing your experiences and, and your views on the issues that we've talked about today. So in the next and final episode of this series, um, I'll be talking to Catherine, Adam and Alice about the third core need in the wellbeing report, which is competence. We'll touch on topics like workload, training and advice, um, seeking support. So make sure you don't miss that one. Thanks very much for listening. clinical fellows really want to hear your thoughts and ideas around all the issues we've discussed so please tweet us at GMC UK or check the website. Prescribing Change is a podcast by the General Medical Council. Thank you to Dame Denise Coyer and Professor Michael West for co-chairing this review and thanks to our guests Drs Alice Rutter, Adam Thomas and Catherine Walton. Mm-hmm.